Uh, all right, guys, you have been playing Dungeons and Dragons long enough. You guys are pretty familiar with the different feats in the game. If you were to pick anyone to apply to you in real life, which one would you do? I already know. Do we need to roll for this? Or, no, or, this is, what do you got, Terry? Mobile. Mobile, mobile feet is my favorite feat. I yeah. want that extra movement. I just nobody, nobody anywhere ever moves fast enough for me. Get out of the way. Yeah. I need to be places, and you get over this difficult terrain. You're not. Where's everybody's sense of urgency? I need mobile feet so I can move faster than everyone all the time. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I do hate yeah. slow people on sidewalks, mm-hmm. especially when they take up the whole thing. But I, I, I guess. Probably Warcaster, because then it would mean <laughs> I have spells. Right? No, it means you have... It's a prerequisite that you have to Oh, have, yeah, yeah, that's right. You have that's to right. be able to cast at least one spell. So I pick Warcaster. <laughs> nice. Hoping that the universe will then gift you spells. You betcha. I love the optimism. I'd probably just go with something practical for myself, like Sharpshooter. Yeah. You know, really, get rid of that, really get rid of that disadvantage <laughs> at shooting at a distance. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the hunter comes out again. Exactly. Come on, man. I'm wearing camo. Yeah. <laughs> you get to keep your guns for a little bit longer. <laughs> anyway. Welcome to the It's a Mimic podcast, where you never know what you're going to get. Hello and welcome to another It's a Mimic episode, where we continue our conversation on player options in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. I'm Kyle, and with me today are Dave and Terry, and this episode is called Feats Part 1, The Knack for Nicking and Knocking. In this episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, this panel of Dungeon Masters will be looking at 17 different feats that players of martial characters might look at if feats are available at their tables. Do you guys allow feats at your table? Sure do. All right, let's, let's, oh, let's oh, do the old-fashioned way. So I got, oh, I'm getting knocked all over the place. I'm down to a two, up to a 14. Uh, is that a seven? I That's got a, a seven. I got a seven. And, and I see a five. five. Okay. Four, there's no light in here. The people at home are like, how <laughs> stupid are they? Yeah. How stupid are they? It's, they all get they mixed up numbers. too. It's like, I yeah. wish you could see and it. It's, it's like just easier. a tiny little bit that it rolls into. And people might think, we'll just move it. It's like, it just moves the problem. It's yeah. uh, it's a disaster. <laughs> So turn your first. Oh, do I like allow feats on my table? Yeah, I like uh, a more customizability. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with feats. I know people always co- complain about game breaking and this and that and the other. But hey, look, I know what I'm working with with feats. I, I enjoy them. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever played at a table that, that didn't have feats. It's obvious, obviously an option, but I think most people tend to, to dip into those pretty quick. Like It gives you something to do if you're just like a one-dimensional character. Maybe it gives you something else to do. I know some people have done it with like the sentinel feet and stuff like that. It really Ooh, gives that's them, a good one. It gives them yeah. a purpose, right? So yeah, of course. Yeah, I same right. It's just a little extra level of customizability for characters, right? Make it a little more unique and flavored to you. We've previously covered quite a bit in our discussion on player options in Fifth Edition. For all those episodes and more, you can follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and dozens of other podcast apps. And if you'd like to support us, you can donate through the website, check our store, or join our Patreon and get access to other episodes and series. If you'd like to pay for some ad space on It's a Mimic, or just shout out to a friend, please reach out to us through our email and website that are listed in the show notes below. 
This week on the It's a Mimic Patreon, silver tier or higher patrons are going to have access to a bonus episode that I wasn't originally planning on doing for the False Hydra series, but apparently there were still some questions about game design and choices that were made, so I break it down a little bit clearer and talk a little bit more about specifically my prep and my expectations and how things worked out. But for now, let's get back to this amazing episode on the Lower Cousins of Hanses. So, what is a feat? Well, a feat is a particular skill that a given character has honed through long and arduous training. You ever hear the saying that it takes 10,000 hours to master a skill? Well, that is essentially what a feat is. It represents a sidetrack that a character has trained along with their natural class progression. Feats are a great addition because they offer a little something for every table and player. Whether you've got a power gamer that's just looking to up their character to the next level, a roleplay legend that wants to add a little extra touch to their unique idea, or a party chameleon that is just looking to fill that much needed niche role in a gang. If you're going to use feats, the rules as written state that each time a character gains an ASI bump, they could, at the DM's discretion, choose to take a feat instead. However, I do know a good number of tables also opt to give players free feats at level one as well. Personally, I am all for level one feats. Uh, what about you guys? I mean, as a player, I like them. It really, you know, obviously it helps, right? I know that when we play on our Sunday group, uh, Adam allows us to do both the ASI and a feat. Okay. Uh, when you get them, just to kind of make us feel a little more superhero. Yeah. But uh, I really like that as a player. But at the same time, you got to make sure you're DMing, balancing that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure if I would give them out at level one. Um, the reason being, I know that I just said that I like more customizability, but I, I <laughs> also need to be able to control all of that as well. If there's too many variables, yeah. um, it's a lot to, and it gets out of hand. I definitely wouldn't give ASI and, uh, a feat at the same, at the same time. I don't like that superhero feeling. I like, we might die any second feeling. You have yeah. to really trust your players not to abuse it. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I, he lets Dan do it. So, I mean, there's... Obviously, some trust issues there, but, you know. Dan, who finds a way to break every rule set ever. Well, yeah, he just, he knows how to get to the nitty-gritty. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. All right. Uh, so, on top of this, there is also the variant human, which I know Megan is a big fan of, um, where in place of the regular human, which grants a plus one to ASIs across the board, you can opt to take a plus, or you can opt to take two plus one ASIs in a feat instead. Um so I, this question isn't going to pertain to you, Terry, but Dave, if you're going to do a free feat at level one, would you let them take a variant human? Would you let them have two feats at level one? I mean, yeah, they're they're losing something to get the bonus. It's just a, it's not a making it better. It's just a, something different. Yeah. Okay. I'm guessing no for you. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no and how dare you ask? Um, I'm sorry. I will think about what I did. Uh, so now, for feats, also sometimes come with prerequisites, meaning that in order for a character to gain a given feat, they must meet certain criteria for it. These fall under four categories. There is stat-based, like grappler, that requires a character to have 13 strength to pick it up. Proficiency-based, such as heavily armored, which requires that a character already be proficient with medium armor before they can take it. Species-based, such as bountiful luck, which is for halflings. Or spellcasting-based 
like Warcaster that I mentioned earlier, um, for which you need to be able to cast at least one spell. My other question for you guys is what happens to their feet if they lose the necessary prerequisites for that feat? Whether they drop below the necessary stat um, line or their species changes like it does from a reincarnate spell. Should they lose the feat? Do you let them choose a new one or do you say, sorry, you're shit out of luck? Yeah, I think there's so many different variables with this. It's going to be case by case, but I, I want to say they should lose the feat at least temporarily until this challenge is overcome. But don't yell at me, internet, because you have a specific example <laughs> where, no, they should not do that. I'm saying most of the time, generally, as part of the challenge, I would probably make them lose their feet. Okay. Dave? N no, I don't think I would. And it goes against my whole everything needs to make sense, you know, kind of, that's kind of my, what I try to stick to. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you play in our Thursday group. We only have two and a half hours if we're like Johnny quick on the spot, right? Yeah. So this is one of those things that I'm just going to have to wait and wait for someone to do the math to figure out how it affects this to come over here. And it's going to take away from our experience more than like taking the ability away from someone can certainly add to the experience. Mm -hmm. But I think in the situation we play in, it just takes and it doesn't give back. Yeah. Right. Okay. I mean, for me, I think it's... It would depend, right? Like, if their species changes, I would probably let them keep it. Because it's just, I don't know. It's still the same soul of the character. Right. So they should still have that, I feel like. And then also for stats, I mean, they still did train for it, right? It's not just about that you're fast enough so you can be a defensive duelist. It's you've put in the work to learn how to do this stuff. So, but I mean, I like the case-by-case -case idea where... You know, I would probably try to nerf it without taking it away entirely. But I am also a very forgiving DM. Like, I want my players to succeed. I want them to have fun. Yeah. Right? I like to try and bring... I would want to bring it back somehow, but I would just want to tie that into the campaign of how it happens. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I wouldn't just be like, no, forever. I'd be like, <laughs> yes, no, for now. Like a side quest where they have to win it back. I like... I, yeah, I'm pretty good at weaving things into the campaign. Okay. I like that idea. Uh, so the first feat we're going to talk about today is Fighting Initiate. It is from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Uh, this one allows you to pick up a fighting style from among one of the ones in the fighter class. You can't stack it though, so if you already have a fighting style, you're going to have to pick a different one. Uh, this does require you to be proficient with at least one martial weapon. So for this one, if I was going to take it, I would probably take it right away, because I think the longer it goes on, fighting styles kind of peter out in usefulness. Right. At least to me. Um, I mean, for classes, barbarian or cleric, like ones that already don't get it. Yeah. I think. And then, but I do have an idea for a fighter that requires two fighting styles, and I want it to be uh, unarmed fighting and then thrown weapon fighting. So he just like throws axes and then runs in and tackles people. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Seems aggressive. Yeah. I like that. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Dave, do you have... What do you think about Fighting Initiate? Uh, I mean, yeah, you, you nailed it. Like, the barbarian cleric. I mean, I could even see maybe the right situation where you maybe use it on a rogue mm -hmm. to get the right kind of style. Yeah, okay. But, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of yeah. the same idea. I agree, and I'm taking it early, like you said, because that's when you're going to be able to use it most often. Yeah. I think, you know, this situation's change, and there's so many variables as you level up. 
it's unlikely that you'll be able to enjoy this feat as much at higher levels. Uh, so take it early, but uh, yeah. Well, yeah, and I think we're going to kind of find this pretty common with most of these. The martial classes, they, they're featured early levels where the magic, ca- like the, the spell casters are kind of featured in the, the later tiers, right? So yeah, yeah I think you're, you're right. Early is better. All right. Beautiful. Okay, uh, I'll go next then. I have Martial Adept. <laughs> Kyle's confused because Dave and I switched things up a little bit. Um, no, I'll, I'll correct Just it. I'm trying made, to make my life difficult. I made a mistake and Dave tried to help me with, <laughs> by saying you prepped for the wrong thing and it's been confusing Kyle all night. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I got Martial Adept. So with Martial Adept, you have martial training that allows you to perform special combat maneuvers um, and you gain two benefits. The first is you learn two maneuvers and that's of your choice, and those are maneuvers that are available for the Battlemaster archetype of the fighter class. Uh, If a maneuver you use requires your target to make a saving throw to resist the maneuver's effect, the saving throw DC equals 8 plus your proficiency bonus plus your uh, strength or dexterity modifier, and that is your choice. Secondly, you gain one superiority die, which is a D6. This is added to any superiority dice you have from another source. And this die is used to fuel your maneuvers. A superiority die is expended when you use it, and you regain those expended superiority die uh, dice when you finish a short or a long rest. You can find this feat in the player's handbook as well. So for me, for Martial Adept, I, you know what? Maybe I would take it early as well. For this one, I just like, I like choices. And I like a lot of choices early and at times when I'm going to get to use them most. And this is another one where you will, you could argue that yes, you'll get to use this type of thing later on, but you will definitely get to use it a lot early on in the in the tiers, I think. Yeah. Dave, what do you think about Martial Adept? Yeah, I'm just looking at the list for Battlemaster here in the book. And like, those are some pretty, pretty powerful combos if you can get those off. Like that's an early, early thing. Yeah. I know that um, this would probably be something I would look at in our Candlekeep campaign. Mm-hmm. I've got my rogue, who's like the closest thing to a frontline fighter we have. <laughs> yeah. Right? And it's, it's, it doesn't work well. It makes for some interesting situations. Rogue we have like, no healers also. Yeah, no oh, yeah. healers. Yeah. That's always the best. Yeah, a bunch of freaking warlocks though. <laughs> but uh, I think there's three warlocks. My table yeah. does we not We rolled healer, randomly <laughs> for all of our character stats. And, oh, like, God. Class, race, everything. It was all random rolls, but... Uh, it it, it, it it would work well for that scenario, I think, where you just kind of need that extra little little zip. But, I mean, yeah, you're taking this early, early first or fourth level kind of thing, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I like it on a paladin, honestly. I think it makes a good little addition to what they've already got. Well, that's yeah. That's a good right? idea, yeah. Like adding them on to smites. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, the first one I got here is uh, Weapon Master, and this just essentially makes you proficient with a variety of different kinds of weapons. You get to add one to your dex or your strength, of course, maximum of 20, and uh, this allows you to gain proficiency with four weapons that have to be either simple or martial. Uh, There's no prerequisites for this one. It's right out of the PHB. Uh, I kind of feel like this is going to be something that maybe a monk that normally wouldn't get Simpler martial weapons might take yeah. might take this and, yeah. and really. Take I agree. Off of it. Yeah, monk would be good. I also thought that you might even have a wizard. Yeah, Gandalf had a sword. You know, maybe maybe your wizard has a sword and you you took weapon master. It's a different kind of build that makes sense, sort of. It's going to be the yeah. cleanest, most pristine longsword ever. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> your spell casting focus uh yeah i like it i agree i think i would take it uh, i think i would try it with a monk 
you know, yeah. I got to do a monk character soon. I think this one works, uh, yeah, works well with that. Yeah, especially since in Tasha's they have that um, dedicated weapon ability where you can make any monk weapon a monk weapon. You just have to spend an hour concentrating on it. <laughs> Looking so, at it, going, yeah. how do I do this? Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know about that. That's okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's one of the, the new variant rules you can use. Sure. Uh, do you guys have a favorite amongst these, Dave? Uh, I like the ones that give you the combat maneuvers. I, I think the martial adept I'd probably take just because I would get more out of that. It allows me to just be a little more of a tactician. We play a very tactical game. Mm -hmm. uh, even on the Sunday group, I play a very tactical game where maybe not everybody else does. And uh, that uh, really speaks to me. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I would do martial adept as well. Um, you know, considering I always say that the I enjoy the the role playing part of the game. I am quite the tactician, and I and I think uh, a lot about my tactics, and I I, I would like the uh, the extra choices that you get with this one. Yeah. All right. You know, honestly, I think that one's probably the best out of the three. But I like fighting initiate because it just gives me. I don't know. I got a bunch of character ideas that I want with two fighting styles. Right. So you know. Uh, so for the next set, uh, we got Mage Slayer, which is from the PHB. Uh, so when a creature is within five feet of you that casts a spell, you can use your reaction to make a melee attack against them. Uh, also, if you hit a creature that is concentrating on a spell, they will have disadvantage on that concentration check. And to cap it off, you also gain advantage on saving throws if you are within five feet of the creature that's casting the spell. So this one's pretty good, but I mean, I don't know. How often do you fight a monster that is concentrating on a spell? I, well, it's going to be later tiers, I think, yeah. when you start getting into the big bads, the liches, and the, and the other casters. Uh, that's what I'm seeing for this. But it feels like one of those thankless feats <laughs> where you know that you probably won the fight because you stopped this concentration, but it's yeah. going to come down to the barbarian jumping off the cliff or something or yeah. whatever and gets it. Like It's a, one of those thankless ones. Yeah, it adds to the party tactic. Right? Yeah, uh, I, I kind of like the idea of maybe giving this to uh, to like a rogue, someone who's gonna the sneak around oh, yeah. and getting close. Uh, I like the the uh, more the, the you get advantage on. Uh, yeah, you give them disadvantage on concentration checks. It's even better. Like, and also you gain advantage on saving throws. So but you have to be within five feet of the spellcaster. Sure, but if you get in close and they try to give you some sort of like. A power word killer, whatever. Yeah, something like that. You get the advantage to, to stop that, and maybe you get the, the stabby stab in there, right? Yeah. I kind of like I like that idea, the sneaking around. And with that, you're, Terry, you're right. It could be a later tier, but I think you could probably make use of it early as well. Yeah. Doing it that way, yeah. Yeah, but are you going to, like, uh, just start to piss the DM off if you're doing this stuff early? I mean, you're, you're not wrong, but I'm just thinking about how DMs think, where it's like, if you start, um, you know... Pissing in their conflicts early with breaking concentration and stuff for like <laughs> yeah. tier one. They're Look, gonna be like, I got you, motherfucker. If you're gonna do that to the DM, the DM's gonna do it back to you. So that's right. Yeah. So be careful. And we don't do a lot of concentration checks. I mean, here and there, yeah, it does come up, but I think when well, we remember, I mean, yeah, we're we're pretty bad about we're very bad at it. Yeah, we just can't concentrate <laughs> on it, right? Yeah. It's it's just not there. Fail my save every time. Yeah. So. All right. I uh, you know I like it for the blade singer wizard. Getting up close, fucking up other wizards. Yeah, why not? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but I think it is also a later tier one. Like, probably level 8 is when I might take it. Because yep. that's when you're dealing with more spellcasters. Right, right. More saving throws, I guess. 
Okay, next up, oh, I have Poisoner. This is out of Tasha's. Uh, Tasha always brings it. She's got good stuff. Uh, Poisoner. So there's three points to this. Uh, you can prepare and deliver deadly poisons, granting you the following benefits. Here's point number one. When you make a damage roll that deals poison damage, it ignores resistance to poison damage. Love this. Love this. is what I've been waiting for. <laughs> the second point, you can apply poison to a weapon or a piece of ammunition as a bonus action instead of as an action. Yeah. Also love this. Anonymous hamster is clicking into my notes here, apparently. Uh, third point is you gain proficiency with the Poisoner's Kit if you do not already have it. With one hour of work using the Poisoner's Kit and expending 50 gold pieces worth of materials, you can now create a number of doses of potent poison equal to your proficiency bonus. Once you apply this poison to a weapon or a piece of ammunition, the poison retains its potency for one minute or until you hit with the weapon or the ammunition. When a creature takes damage from the coated weapon or ammunition, that creature will then need to succeed on a DC 14 constitution saving throw or they will take 2d8 poison damage and become poisoned until the end of your next turn. Wait, so if they fail the concentration check... No, if they pass the concentration check, do they take no damage? Uh, or is it like half damage and not poisoned? It does not say anything about half damage. I mean, that's the logical question. It doesn't say anything about half damage, so it must be uh, must be that full damage. Like it's either do or don't. Yeah. Yeah, do or don't. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But I love it. I love it. And I'm going to take it probably mid-tiers when stuff starts to get resistant to poison. Yeah. You know? Um, Everything's fucking resistant to poison. Right. And and it sucks. You know, if you're playing a character that enjoys poisons, I've got a rogue at my table that thoroughly enjoys poisons. And uh, we're starting to see that resistant to poison a lot. So, uh, no, I like it. I really like it. In fact, I'm going to point this feat out to that player. Yeah. I would love to poison a drow. You know? What? You sort of like it? <laughs> <laughs> now you know how it fucking feels! Yeah. Well, you guys went up against drow here for a while. Oh, they've, yeah. They've been a common enemy. and they Twice. keep Twice. Yeah, they keep having poison. The barbarian Anthony's, I'm immune to poison. I don't take poison damage. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Is that poison damage? Oh, I, don't, I think it's poison damage. I don't take that. They can't wait. Can't wait to point out their immunity to poison damage. Yeah. <laughs> praying begging hoping it's poison damage do you have a particular class that you would associate this with uh, I like the drow scout or something yes uh, I like the idea of this for um, maybe our, the druid in our party guppy uh, a bonus action to put poison on a weapon mm-hmm. that's something that he can actually do we have an ongoing joke that every time it gets to his turn he does an action and then he moves and then I always ask is there anything else? And he always comes back with... Shillelagh. I cast shillelagh, yeah. Oh, I cast shillelagh. And he never uses shillelagh. Like, maybe once or twice. I think I think once. Yeah. In this whole time. So he's not going to use the poisoner's kit. He well, never hit but, anybody with his But staff. If, if he had poisoned bolts, maybe he would be encouraged to because it does a little extra damage. Yeah, maybe. So I'm just I'm thinking like the druid with a crossbow. Okay. Really? Okay, that's good. See, I'm going like... I'm going rogue. Let them use their bonus action for this. This is perfect. Yeah, I, mean, for them. Po- I think they'll be happy with Poisoner, this. Poisoner, rogue assassin. It's it's right there. Yeah, yeah, that's what I got. I got a rogue assassin, and uh, and they would love this feat. Oh yeah, especially when you like sneak up. And you, mm-hmm. Oh, that would kill. I like it for a warlock because it just feels warlocky to me. Right. Especially like a hexblade warlock. Right. Right. Not a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, the next one I have is defensive duelist. This essentially just means that you're adept at using some weapons for defense. Now, this is another PHB uh, feat. 
And it does have a prerequisite. Your dex has to be 13 or higher. So you have to be using a finesse weapon that you're proficient with, and if you are hit by another creature's melee attack, you can use your reaction to add your proficiency modifier to your AC. So it kind of allows you to use your sword to kind of deflect it kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this has swashbuckler. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Through yeah. and through, right? Uh, I could also see maybe like someone like a cleric who uses a rapier as a weapon, mm. maybe getting up close and using this to give that little bit of an AC boost or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. I see it for a bard as well. Yeah. Yeah. Bard works as well. Yeah, anything that uses a, a finesse. Anything that's yeah. going to use a rapier or a scimitar, I think, is a finesse as well. I don't know, actually. Let's find out. Uh, do you have... Do you guys have a... I mean... A favorite? A favorite, yeah. Poisoner? I'm all over Poisoner. Yeah. I like... I like... I want more poison. I like those nasty poisons, and this works for me. I like the idea of this defensive duelist. I mean, I, I do a lot of, of roguing... Uh, for our <laughs> <laughs> rogue, <laughs> around. Yeah, right. I thought he said Rogaine, but <laughs> it does a lot of Rogaine. But you know, like I, I've done a bunch in uh, different one shots, and uh, our candle keep. I'm an arcane trickster, mm. and so I've got a I've got a rapier for that. Like I think I could get a lot of use out of the defensive duelist. Yeah, I can see it. I think mechanically, defensive duelist is the best because it's almost like a free shield spell, right? Yeah. Okay. It's a reaction, and you can and there's no limit. You can just keep doing it every turn. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, all it takes is your uh, your reaction, right? Yeah. Let me educate you guys on D&D. Never think about defense. <laughs> Don't worry about it. That stuff takes care of itself. Only ever attack. Yeah. Oh, man. I was the look- lower AC, the better. Yeah. I was doing some, uh, some, just some housework and going through some old papers the other day, and I came across some 3.5 character sheets, and I found my level 12 Warforged Juggernaut. And his AC was like 37. Yeah. And it's just not fair. <laughs> like, how do you hit that? It's ridiculous. Right. Anyways, sorry. I think uh, I saw this one build online where it was like a forge cleric, and they started out with like 27 AC. That's disgusting. Yeah. That's crazy. I know people I just play... might be making up that number. Right? Like, it might be like 21. Still low. Yeah. Anything over 20. I know, just... people, I know people play the game differently and get different enjoyment, but I never build a character... Thinking about stats too much until I'm starting yeah. to place the stats. Honestly, I find if you if you come in and you're that one player that has an AC of 21 and everybody else's AC is like a 15 or a 16, you're the asshole at the table because now everything has to hit you, which means it's gonna hit them all the time, right? Yeah. Like it, it, you're the dick there. Cool, you made a cool build. Maybe this isn't the right time to use it. I mean, it, it sucks to suck. Right? If you're not going to bring your A game, get the fuck out not, of here. Not every table is designed to have... like It's not all about min-maxing. Not every table yeah. wants to be min-maxers. Some of them want to play different characters for different flavors. Yeah. I mean, I, I... Some people don't want to play strength. <laughs> <laughs> Some people don't want to play to the strength. Joe, like... You shouldn't laugh at that. That was Adam's joke. He told me that a couple of years ago. So and he's going to hear this. He's going to be like, that's my fucking joke. <laughs> well, you give him credit. Uh, so next up, we have Dual Wielder, which is from the PHP. Uh, this is honestly probably one of my favorite feats. So you get a plus one to AC when wielding two weapons. The second weapon does not have to have the light property. And you can draw and stow two weapons as a free action instead of one. So like, 
It's so good. Like, why would you ever carry a shield when you can carry another sword? Yeah, that's right. Exactly that. <laughs> exactly that. Put, defense. Put yeah. that on my gravestone. <laughs> this feat in particular is the foundation of my argument for why they need to have a bastard sword in 5th edition that okay. does 1d10 two-handed damage and 1d8 one-handed damage that you can dual wield. Uh, isn't a longsword 1d8? Uh, but long shards one d ten. But two handed one d eight. Yeah. If you two handed, it's not one d ten. Long sword is. Is it? I know yeah. warhammer is. So you could just carry two warhammers. Are you are like legit? Because I always thought. For real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kyle, will find it right I, now. I thought it was a one handed weapon. No, Holy I shit. always used to forget this. I had a champion fighter that had a sword, and he didn't always have a shield. Yeah, it's versatile one d eight slashing one. And I used people. to forget a lot. Because I didn't always have the shield for whatever reason you put on your back. Or you, you need a free hand or something. I have completely overlooked this. Yeah. Well. There you well, go. Well, shit. Uh, for flavor, you could just <laughs> yeah. say it's well, a bastard well, sword. Well, shit, yeah, it's a bastard sword. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, my bad. I mean, <laughs> I guess. Go. So you should educate yourself. Apparently. Okay. Uh, why do I need to? I've got you guys here. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Fuck, I never know what I'm going to get. <laughs> yeah. I want to play this on a cleric. Honestly. Dual wielder? Yeah. Dual wielder. And it's going to be what would you have like two war hammers? Two war hammers. I am all yes. about hammers. Yeah. I want bludgeoning damage. Yeah, clerics have to do bludgeoning I damage. I love, I love a good war hammer as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, clerics like as a rule, I think have to do bludgeoning damage. Yeah, it's just yeah. particularly savage bludgeoning damage. Like it's, it's yeah, the breaking of the bones and everything. And it's, but it's also like unnecessarily savage where it's like, hey, like necessary force, you know, you could just stab them and then that's it. Take them out of the fight. They can't fight you. I'm talking about real life here. But if it's like, no, I want to crush his skull. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, look at Adam's war mace that he's got over there. Like, yeah. could you imagine going into battle with this? Like, man, that dual wielding those things. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I, although I got to say my favorite weapon of all time is a flail. Just because it's so gnarly. Just yeah. like a big piece of chain with a big spiked ball at the end. It reminds me of, uh, what I think, Braveheart. They yeah. bust into oh, the guy's yeah. room in the middle of the night and crack his head open with a with a flail. Oh, yeah. I don't remember that part, but... Oh, yeah, like and like they show yeah, it. Good. I think it just caves his head right in. I don't think it's spiked. I think it's just a ball. Yeah. Breaky, breaky, but, bo uh, knocks down the door. He's riding a horse. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't seen the movie in over a decade. Well, I mean, it is almost... 30 years old. It's at least 25. Oh, okay. 1995 okay. it came out. Yeah, so there you go. You know that off the top of your head. I have a weird thing with movies, particularly yeah. movies from the 90s, actually. I can remember their dates, their, oh, their yeah. years, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Nothing after 2010, though. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. What have we got? Do you oh, have a particular class or anything that you would see this with? Uh, defensive duelist? Well, you yeah. sold me on cleric, but if not... I'll do. I mean, it's boring to say fighter, isn't it? What do I want? What do I want? Uh, I mean, it's a martial. Yeah, it's it's a martial thing. Like it's gonna be a fighter. It's gonna be a barbarian. Ah, barbarian. Yeah. Yeah. Why yeah. not? Yeah. What do we have? Uh, Savage, attack. Savage attacker. That's me. Yes. Uh, okay. Savage attacker. So this one's from the player's handbook as well, page one sixty nine. Uh, so two points to this one. Once per turn, when you roll damage for a melee weapon attack. You can, if you would like to, re-roll the weapon's damage dice and use either total. Yeah, this one can fuck right That's off. one point, actually. <laughs> you don't like it? I hate it. I would never pick this. For why do you hate it? Because it's just... Uh, it's so... Uninspired. Yeah, that's right. It's just <laughs> it is, but it's 
boring, maybe? Yeah. Like, it's just, this uh, feat yeah. is designed for one of the guys we used to play with, Sean. Yeah. Because he would always, like, clockwork, roll absolutely terribly. And then you'd give him someone else's dice who had been rolling well, and then he would roll those terribly, and then they'd get their dice back, and they would roll terribly still. Really? <laughs> he would curse dice that he touched. Like, he was a curse to wow. all things that were math rock. He is just bad at dice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, so Sean, I guess, can use this one, I suppose. Yeah, like that's that's what it's for. It's when you really don't believe in yourself. This is what you need. I yeah. mean, it's okay. and it's hard to be creative with what would you put it on. Like an example of a class that you put it on, because with this is one, you just have to go with the obvious. You just got to go with like barbarian or paladin or something yeah. like that. You can't, you know, you're not gonna do it with like rogue. You know, when you're only getting one attack. So yeah, yeah. I the only way I would is if I was using a maul or a great sword because it has two d six. Right, is that your root? Yes. Yeah, I, I could see it being useful then, but I'm probably not going to pick that over an ASI. What? Yes. Right. Yeah. What level are we taking this at, though? Uh, I'm not. Is it, yeah, never. Yeah. Never. Okay. <laughs> level no. <laughs> <laughs> if it was removed from the game, would we notice? Probably not. No. No. Uh, the next one up I got is Tavern Brawler. This essentially just allows you to use nearby objects as weapons. This is a PHB. There is no prerequisite. Uh, and essentially you get to add one strength or dex, max of 20. You become proficient with improvised weapons. So you guys know improvised weapons. You can just mm -hmm. kind of, you know, use a chair. I love the chair example. Uh, <clears throat> you get to do 1d4 damage with your unarmed strike instead of the regular... Just one damage. Uh, and if you hit with your unarmed attack or with the improvised weapon, you can grapple as a bonus action. Yeah, that's pretty good. That is really good. That's good. I, you know, I've never looked too deeply into Tavern Brawler because I always, I, I guess I started reading it with the improvised weapons and I thought, well, how often am I going to do that over mm. my own weapons? But if you can grapple as a bonus action, that's different now. Now I like this. Yep, I like this. I kind of like the idea of doing this. Maybe like tier two, tier three. Why for would a you monk. go higher? Oh, for monk. Okay, for monk. yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I want to be able to get in there and hold my own before I actually start trying to grapple things that will fuck me up. Right. Right. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking monk, drunken master. I mean tavern brawler, drunken master. Yeah. Come on, man. If you're the uh, the attacker with the grapple, though, it's your strength, isn't it? Your strength is contested against their strength or... Yeah, but this does give you a bonus to strength or dex. So, I mean, I would probably dump it on strength because of grapple. Mm -hmm. But... Okay. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, a yeah, barbarian would all be kind of good with this. Fighter. I, any of the melees. I, I love it for its flavor. Mechanically, I think the only thing that's really good is the bonus action grapple, though. I think so that... And then you're just grapple dude. Yeah. That's just, just your, now you're grapple guy. D4 is not good. Not unless you've it's got reach. Like, I like whips. It's yeah. D4 damage, but if you're sneaking that in with, like, sneak attack or something, you've got the reach with it, it's useful. Okay. But, um, but that, but that's my argument for D4, but this doesn't help with improvised weapons here. I like the idea of the, uh, the skilled classes handling this one, the, the bards, the rogues, that kind of thing. You're not expecting your bard to show up and be able to hit harder than most, right? You're not expecting him to be able to pick up a chair and smash you across the face and then wrestle you to the ground. Yeah. Right? Can I tie a tea kettle to the end of a rope and use that as a reach weapon? Like a rope's 
like a flail, I guess. I, I'd probably make you use your action to tie it together, but yeah. No, but maybe before, like, just have only improvised weapons just be that guy. Like, get a steak knife on the end of a rope as a rope spear or something. Well, yeah, it's yeah. like when we were doing the um, the Deep Dark Irradiance, Adam had a chain with a bunch of padlocks on it. Yeah. And oh, that was yeah. his weapon. Right, it, it did work. It did some damage, clearly. Yeah, yeah why not? Or uh, like a sock full of pool balls. Exactly. <laughs> like it's like it's like I want tavern oh, no, brawler. That's, that's the that's the ranged weapon. You just have like a a bag of holding filled with pool balls. Yeah, and you just start <laughs> just start hucking them at people. <laughs> yeah, when you've only got the amount of pool, you gotta call which ball you're gonna throw, <laughs> and then check it off. Yeah. Yeah. Eight ball corner pocket. Yeah. Not the eight ball. <laughs> Yeah, it's like but, I want... But, but you can then also use the... You could like, bash them with it, too. It doesn't have to just be a thrown yeah, weapon, that's right? That's true. Right? So, that's true, yeah. Right? And the pool cue as well is like a quarter staff <laughs> at a tavern brawler. <laughs> just like an angry pool player. One of those guys is still in there at like 4 a.m. That guy. I, I want tavern brawler to work for me, but I haven't quite figured out how I'm going to do it without getting kind of bored. But I do this like needs it. to be a class, not yeah. a feat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take it early, though, I think. I'm oh, gonna take yeah, yeah. it early. I think um, so. You you learn your scrappy, your scrappy ways when you're, you're yeah when you're more likely to be brawling in taverns and you know, you know that kind of thing. And a D four is actually did decent damage at a lower tier. Exactly, yeah, right. two or three punches and you got a knockout. Right? And yeah. it means and if you ever get those weapons taken off you or you end up something like that and that usually happens once per campaign. Yeah, um, you're good to go. Well, yeah, you played the with our Tuesday campaign there where I had the barbarian that just went around punching things all the time. It's like she, she was effective. She did a great job. Yeah. It worked. There yeah. you go. Uh, there's a comic that I like. It's called The Weekly Roll, and there's a paladin in it who has just a brick tied to the end of a rope, and then that's his weapon. That's what I see. <laughs> exactly that. That's amazing. <laughs> it's a great comic. I highly recommend everybody check it out. All right. And I should. It's just time. I can't have any more hobbies. It's, it's time. It's like a comic strip. That comes out once a week. Okay, I'll get if, the audio book. If you don't have time for that, I so I applaud your stick to it. Just me. Well, I mean I am that way I, too lazy to have that. that I could do, but then it's like, do I go back to the list of something else I've overlooked? I believe you. It's a great comic. Okay. What's the name of it? The Weekly Roll. The Weekly Roll. Yeah, I've showed it to you, Dave. Where do you? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, do you guys have a favorite here? You know what? It's Not the gotta Savage be. Attacker. Nah, fuck Savage Attacker. Tavern uh, Brawler. Tavern Brawler. I because think. we want it to work. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, everybody likes the idea of picking up the chair and, you know. Is the chair a two-handed weapon? <laughs> uh, yes. Probably. Can, unless you're going to break the leg of the chair off and use it as a club. Uh, depends Can. on what species it was made for because i mean a gnome chair is going to be a one-handed weapon <laughs> that's a good point can i so do can something these... can i do something with my ac with the chair can yeah. i get a plus one as like a, if you, know, you have a, defensive a, duelist uh, a buckler or something <laughs> well you know it's got an area right it's got a, a, the c well, chair is a finesse i was gonna say it's a chair of finesse weapon yeah <laughs> well it's a, a well-built chair <laughs> I would let a chair add one to your AC as like a buckler or something like that. I mean, yeah. it's not quite a buckler, but it's about that kind of surface area. It's about as effective as, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah I would and you can, you can keep them away from you with it, right? That's the whole point, right? <laughs> so, is it a reach weapon? Does it have... <laughs> it should be. It should be, but it's not. Uh, I like dual wielder. I mean, come on. You only lose one AC for not having a shield, and you get another weapon. 
Why wouldn't you pick this? It it's it's almost a better tavern brawler. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah. Instead of doing one d four with your punch, you're doing whatever your weapon is, right? Yeah. 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 Twice. Twice. Right. All right. Uh, so next up is Crusher. This one is from Tash's Cauldron of Everything. Uh, you get plus one strength or con to a maximum of twenty. Uh, and once per turn on a hit, you can push a creature five feet away into an unoccupied space. You Also, when you score a critical hit that deals bludgeoning damage to a creature, uh, attacks against it have advantage until the beginning of your next turn. So, it's okay, but... I feel like we get most of the way there by using different actions. Yeah. Right? Like, it's, it's kind of a waste of a feat, I think. It's yeah. the... Nah, see, it depends how you use it. It's going to be circumstantial, of course, but, like, I like to get creative with this. So, the push five feet... So that's, I'm making an attack, I'm pushing you off the ledge, or off the cliff, or whatever. You're going to then take bludgeoning damage as you fall. If it's not too much, and I've got a lot of HP, I'm then going to jump off and land on you for more. I'll take a little bit, but then my second attack has advantage because you're prone. Like, I'm doing this type of stuff with okay. it. Okay. Yeah. I'm the See, we bring up the cliff example a lot, but, I mean, I don't fight a lot by cliffs. But or there's just... You, Ledges. Uh, yeah, but I mean, the enemy has to be already there, like right on the precipice of that cliff for you to do that. I, I mean, just, it, it's happened, right? It's circumstantial. It's happened, but it's it's not like all the time. I just, I don't feel like it's... You're waiting enough for it. it. Enough. It yeah. happens enough for it to be worth it. You're waiting it. nine levels for this yeah. to happen. <laughs> That's fair. You know what? If I have a feat, when it comes down to the end of the day... This is a feature that I want to use at least once a session. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not doing that, why did I even bother with it? Yeah. Yeah. Why did I put four or five sessions worth of time into leveling up to get here? Not even four levels worth of set like sessions. Yeah. The push five feet can be useful though for like attacks of opportunity as well, especially if you've got other martial classes that are close Yeah, but by. there's there's abilities you can like there's there's actions you can you know, in combat that you can do to get that same effect. It yeah. doesn't need to be a feat. Yeah. You just push. Yeah. Right. You're right, Dave. Yeah. So. Like it, just, it, it just, it doesn't, it feels like it's already covered somewhere. Yeah, fuck yeah. this feat. Yeah. <laughs> Crusher, don't you dare ask me, Kyle, if this one's my favorite later on. Dave has convinced me it's not. <laughs> okay, well, I can't wait to hear your guys' thoughts on the next ones. Uh, which is, what do we have? Piercer. Uh, Piercer. So, where is Piercer from? Oh, I didn't write it down. Oh, it's PHP. Yeah, these are three. all from the. That's tashes. right. You, these tashes are, tashes. are all from Tashes. Yeah. Yes, Piercer is Tashes. Okay. All right, so here's some points on Piercer. So, if you take the Piercer feat, you have achieved a penetrating precision in combat. Just don't, don't touch it, okay? <laughs> Granting you the following benefits you get to increase your strength or dexterity by one to a maximum of 20. And once per turn, when you hit a creature with an attack that deals piercing damage, you can reroll one of the attacks. Uh, damage dice and you must use the new roll lastly when you score a critical hit that deals piercing damage to a creature you can roll one additional damage die when determining the extra piercing damage the target takes i don't care for it i mean all of these i don't really care for them is it just fancy savage attack here or is it just like for yeah, peers it's just savage much. attack for finesse weapons or what or for piercing weapons? Yeah, this is what you do instead of cross-classing. You're, you're like, when you got your heart set yeah. on being a particular build, 
but you don't want to cross class to get the other thing, this is what you grab. Okay. Actually, I, honestly, on a rogue, it would probably be pretty good. Yes. Assassin if, rogue? If they're that kind of rogue. If but you can re-roll, with a rogue, you can re-roll one of the attacks damage dice. It's like, okay, well, you didn't sneak attack anyway. Like, it's you got a fistful of dice. All right, okay. So my two becomes a four. Like, yeah. fine. Uh, critical hit, all right. You can roll one additional damage di- Like... I don't like them. If it's just damage base or re-rolling dice, I'm yeah. not that into it. I like creative things. Yeah, there's no flavor to it. Tashi, you let me down on this one. Dave, you got anything to add? No. Nope. want to talk about the pee-pee? <laughs> Tasha the slasher. Uh, all right, well, yeah, this one comes out of Tasha's as well. There's no prerequisite for the slasher here. Essentially, you have trained extensively with, uh, with bladed weapons. You get to add one to your strength or dex. Again, max of 20. Once per turn, when you hit with a melee attack that does slashing damage, you reduce tar- your target's speed by 10 feet. This ends at the start of your next turn. If you score a critical hit with slashing damage, your target then has disadvantage on all attack rolls. So in addition to uh, slowing them down, it gives them like just a glorious wound that doesn't let up. Yeah. Right. The, mm-hmm. That's kind of the idea there. Uh, and this is, I uh, figure... You're going to take this early if you're going to take it. And you're going to take it with someone who's wielding something like a giant great axe. Yeah. This is barbarian. Barbarian all over it. Yeah. Yeah. It. Barbarian makes sense. I agree. I probably would take it early as well. Yeah. I don't see this Maybe kind of trickling too much into the spellcasters or the skill classes. This, no. this is fighter, fighter, fighter. Yeah. I could see this with a polearm master. Right? Because you reduce the their movement speed by 10. Once per turn, right? So you just stay like five feet out of there. Yeah, you can kind of control it. That's yeah. an interesting thought. Mm, yeah, you're controlling their positioning, or rather, your positioning around them. Yeah, uh, that's good. That's good. That'll annoy your DM. Yeah. Well. well, which is the point of playing, right? I mean, that's <laughs> it's true. It's I mean, in the it's PHP. An us versus them situation. Well, it's a collective game of chess. Yeah. While also telling a story. Yeah. 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 Okay, but I mean, fun. to annoy the DM. Clearly. It's in the Canadian Charter of Rights. <laughs> Clearly, it's like paragraph three or something. Like if you got your way the whole time, it's it's not worth it, right? Yeah. You know what? Also, is one of the reasons I don't like about this is because we play with crit tables. So the this is like really not that great of a crit addition compared to the tables. The crit tables. Those crit tables are amazing. Yeah. I know. I love them. Sure, but in the rule books, like in, in I the, know where there isn't a lot of yeah. crit based into enhancements, right? Like, there's not a there's lot. There's none at all, right? Well, they, I mean... In 5th edition, they got rid of critical misses. It's just a miss, and then for, like, a 20, it's just double damage, I think. Sure, but, I mean, this luck. this will give the, the target, if you hit with a critical, it gives the target disadvantage. Like, that's that's the most you see out of a bonus to a critical hit Yeah. in any of the rules as written. Like, I, I, I like it for that, right? But other, like, it, it seems very one-dimensional. You gotta have a. This is for Rage Monster Barbarian. I really don't see it doing too much else. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have a favorite? Oh God. Uh, I mean, not the Crusher. Clearly not Crusher. But I mean, but I can't say Piercer or Slasher. So it's like, <laughs> uh, I probably I... Crusher. I would have more fun with Crusher. Yeah. I'd have more. I'd have more fun with. Crusher. I would probably do Slasher. I like the idea of controlling their movement a little bit and uh, having that little extra flavor on a crit hit. Yeah, adds crusher slasher or piercer. Honestly, I take bludgeoning weapons every time. 
Every time I can. Good. So, As Crusher, just because it's the only one that I will ever use. Yeah. <laughs> Crusher it is. Because Piercer, I don't even know her. <laughs> Editor, you're going to have to do something about that. Nope. Yeah, that one's real bad. Uh, so <laughs> It's not that bad, Kyle. <laughs> well, no, I don't know, it kind of makes you sound like you stabbed her. Like, okay, that's better, though, than what it could be interpreted as, so that's good. Okay. Uh, hold on. What, what else could you interpret it as? It doesn't matter. We're moving on. Yeah. I don't know. This episode's running a little short. Like, let's, let's flesh this out. We're moving on to... No. <laughs> to me? Uh, yeah, we're Great Weapon Master. This Great is a standalone. I was going to build this up, because this okay, is the sorry. one okay, that everybody well, likes. Delete that editor. Nope. As Kyle revealed, it's Great Weapon Master. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, Great Weapon Master, you've learned to put the weight of your weapon to your advantage, letting its momentum empower your strikes. And you gain these two benefits. Number one, on your turn, if you score a critical hit, it needs to be with a melee weapon, or you reduce a creature to zero hit points with a melee attack, you can make one melee weapon attack as a bonus action. I like it. I like it. Point number two, before you make a melee weapon attack... With a heavy weapon that you are proficient with, you can choose to take a minus 5 penalty to the attack roll. If the attack hits, you add plus 10 to the attack's damage. It's a big gamble, and I'll lose that gamble more often than not, so I'm not sure what I think. Look, I've, I'm going to go on the record, right, and I'm going to say something that most people don't agree with. I'm not actually that into uh, to Great Weapon Master. Me neither. Because, um, oh, you're both wrong. Dave speechless. Dave yeah, speechless. You, no, you, like, what, really? Yeah, yeah. okay, well, you t- defend it for I me. I mean, sharpshooter is better, first of all. And also, you know what it is? It's the fact that you have to kill with a critical hit for the first one to happen. Like, you have to not only get a critical hit, but you have to kill. No, uh, no, 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 no. Score, score a critical, a critical hit, hit or reduce it to zero hit points. Oh, uh, okay. So one or the other. I apparently never learned to So read. it's a little more useful than that. Honestly, this... All of my build, my 3.5 builds were always power attack, cleave, greater cleave, all that jazz. Mm-hmm. So this this has power attack kind of written all over. Your your minus five to hit, your ten to damage. That is awesome. You take that early level, and now you're barbarian with a D12 plus four or whatever, plus an extra ten. Like my god, you are so powerful up until about fifth level, but you're still gonna keep at it because you're gonna be you know, doing multiple attacks afterwards. Like, this This is a great, you know, springboard into the Berserk. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're going to, you know, hit a lot of criticals. Like, I was just saying, the, the critical, like, building on a critical hit, there isn't a lot of rules in that, in D&D for that. And mm. this, again, kind of scratches that itch, too. Okay. Like, it, I just, I think that it, it it is a bit of a throwback to previous editions, and they're trying to bring that kind of concept where you can sacrifice the idea of the accuracy of your attack for the damage. Yeah. Right? And, and I like that because that, that, that should be something you can take into into account. They've streamlined it by just throwing a minus 5 plus 10. Yeah. Uh, instead of, I think, 5th edition or in 3.5, you could pick it based on your base attack bonus and like get real freaking weird with it. But it, it really kind of scratches that itch and, mm-hmm. and, and gives you that little bit extra. I get it. I think for me, it's that, yeah, yeah, great. And the Barbarian does this, and good job. You scored a lot of damage. That's your job. I really like to be tactical. I like to, like, play that chess. Like, outthink the DM or do something which is, like, 
impressive the way I pulled it off. This is, yeah, roll, do your thing. Yeah, you scored a lot of damage. Great. It's just really simple. Like, it just, that's not what I take fulfillment from. Yeah. But it's fine if you do. I get it. You've been working all week. You're stressed. You just want to fucking beat the shit out of something. I yeah. get it. It feels good. It's like gambling, right? It, it is. Sometimes well, you it win, is. Sometimes you lose. Exa- it's exactly that. Yeah. It's exactly that. I could really see this getting out of hand with the inspiration dice model that we have at our table. Because yeah. we hand out a lot of inspiration dice. There's yeah. a lot of dice floating around. I think our rule is you can't use more than three on a single roll. Because <laughs> you can have a, a pool of up to ten. Like, it's, it's very forgiving. And I yeah. think that that would just kind of maybe not balance well with that. Yeah, I would maybe not let you use inspiration dice for that. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna do if you're gonna use this feature, you're not allowed to use inspiration. Yeah, because yeah, okay. then it feels a little bit like cheating. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, for a rogue, is good, especially if you get one where you like um, James has uh, plus ten to his initiative, right? Because he's got mobile and a little fucking rogue, so it's oh, like mobile. he's mobile always first. So good. Oh yeah, first. And then you're like rogue, so you get to go first, so you get advantage. So like your first attack every time, pretty much has advantage. Yeah, because if they haven't gone yet in initiative, he gets to do extra damage. Oh, he's assassin. So, yeah, yeah, so it's uh, like it's just, it gets out of hand quick. James, it's your turn. Oh, does a twenty-seven hit? <laughs> Fuck you, James. You damn well know it does. Like, come on, man. Well, you know, <laughs> I dig. <I>, anyways, <laughs> oh, somebody's calling me from where's five eight seven area code? How dare you? Not here. Not here. Get out of here. It's Alberta? Gross. But, uh, sure, like, they're calling me again, these weirdos. Hello, this is Main Street Research with a two-minute survey on national politics for discussion. Oh, we could have done a survey live. When, yeah. they, called me yeah. to, when they called me twice, I was like, I might need to answer yeah, this. Yeah, I don't no, know no, what this is. Yeah. It was nothing. It was a political survey. This is <laughs> great podcasting right oh yeah i love it <laughs> this is awesome we're doing well hey you guys are doing well all right uh so for our final set um we got three more so first we're going to talk about crossbow expert which is from the php uh so this one it allows you to ignore the loading property for crossbows that you are proficient with which means that you can make more than one attack per turn uh do you have oh you said dave that you would see it on a bar- barbarian I think I could see it on a rogue, assassin rogue. Terry, do you see it on any class? Wait, for great weapon master? Yeah. Really? Yeah, for a rogue? Interesting, okay. Yeah, the assassin rogue, because you can get advantage if you go first. Right, I was just thinking Bob or something. Uh, If you are within five feet of a target, it does not provide disadvantage with a crossbow attack. And also, when you take the attack action with a one-handed weapon, you can fire a hand crossbow with your bonus action if you are holding one. Which I just take to mean that you're holding two hand crossbows. I mean, you could. You could. Yeah. I don't think that's what it meant for, but that's what I imagine. So, I mean, it would be good for Rogue, Ranger, Distance, Fighter. I love it. I did it with my Champion Fighter. I had yeah. Plate Mail on and a Heavy Crossbow, Crossbow Expert. I mean, I have your three, four attacks, whatever. And it, and it was amazing for, uh, for Dungeon Crawls. It was like, kick the door open, pop, 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 get back around the corner, yeah. get down the hall a bit. 
I rarely got hit with that tactic. I loved it. And even if they tried, I had my plate mail on it anyway. It was, it was oh, awesome. Deadly. Do the yeah. hit and run? Yeah. I loved it. Even, um, I was talking about Adam the other week, like, even with that champion fighter, even though it was like a, a tank, I would still quite often just get out of the way. Like, mm -hmm. I would get well out of range, get my three attacks off, and then I would lie down prone as well. So then it was unlikely that anybody would hit me. Yeah. Honestly, I think this is the more popular feat over Great Weapon Master. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've seen this feat at the table more than any other feat. Yeah. Heart stop. Oh, I love it. I mean, maybe it's a Warcaster, but... Yeah. There's something satisfying to just getting three shots off as well. Yeah. Especially with a heavy crossbow to you. Get out. Yeah, I mean, are you taking this early, though? Yeah. Oh, yeah. As I early mean, as I can. You can take it anywhere, but early if you can. Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, these these last three are good ones though. So I got Polearm Master for this one. Uh, so Polearm Master is essentially you can keep your enemies at bay with reach weapons. And I also love a good Polearm as well, a good Glaive. Um, you can gain the following benefits. So here's number one. <laughs> what? Are you calling oh. it a Glaive now? Yeah. Calling what a Glaive? We always knew you liked poles. Okay. <laughs> Polearm Master, I love it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> When you attack and attack only with a glaive, a halberd, or a quarterstaff, or a spear, you can use a bonus action to make a melee weapon attack with the opposite end of the weapon. This attack uses the same ability modifier as the primary attack. The weapon's damage die for this is a d4, and the attack deals bludgeoning damage, of course. Second point, while you are wielding a glaive, halberd, pike, quarterstaff, or a spear, other creatures provoke an opportunity attack from you when they enter the reach you have with that weapon. Ah, it's good. So good. It's good, isn't it? Uh, Dave? Yeah, I like it. It's great. You're going to take this early. You're going to keep everything at bay. You're going to push them back. You're going to make sure that they don't get close. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. putting this on a bugbear, giving myself 15 <laughs> foot of reach. Yeah. Uh, just, and then every time, and then if you mix it with Sentinel, too, you just stop people in their tracks. Yeah. yeah. I am going to attack you. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah. But if I kill you, no, you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be so annoying. Yeah, no, this is this is good. Yeah. If, the, if you want to sit there and play the reach game. Yeah. Or if you got to protect your caster or something, just stand right next well, to them. Yeah. What about for a caster protecting themselves? You see, like, the wizard with a glaive? Yeah. Can they even... <laughs> so can they even use glaives? I don't even think they can, can they? I mean, you'd have to take some sort of weapon proficiency. This feels like a lot, just to give a wizard a glaive. That yeah. they're probably not too excited to have anyway. No, probably not. I'm just trying I mean, to think of creative staff. builds. You can use a staff with it. Yeah, a quarter staff would work. Yeah. yeah. And a glaive is a two-handed weapon, right? Yep. So yeah. what's your wizard doing? Well, it says it says quarter staff, right? For the okay, master. quarter staff. All right, sure. So you can still you could you could use that with a, with a wizard, I would think. Yeah. Or a sorcerer. I'm just trying to think outside the box where it might be useful. Yeah, but not don't go too far out of the box. <laughs> Get back in now the box. Now you're just Dave. talking crazy. Get back in the box. <laughs> uh, all right, I've got sharpshooter. This essentially just means it's right in the name. I mean, we spoke about it briefly yeah. uh, before. This is the one I like. Uh, you're the master of ranged attacks. This is a PHB feat. Uh, there is no prerequisite. Essentially, long range does not impose disadvantage Ranged attacks ignore half and three-quarter cover. And prior to attack with your ranged weapon, you can choose to take a minus five hit. And if you're successful, you add ten to the damage. So I don't I don't see the downside here. If you're going to be primarily a bow-wielding adventurer, mm -hmm. why would you not take this? Yeah. 
And why would you not take this at level one? Yeah. Why would you not take like arcane archer and just initiate the combat from 300 feet away and fuck you, DM? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to hit you every round until you get here. Yeah. The long range, not imposing disadvantage is underrated. This is the kind of ability that you adventure for four levels worth of experience for to actually get. Mm -hmm. Right. This is not a cheap cop out like some of the other ones. It's shooting shit out of the sky as well. When things try to flee, when the enemies try to flee... Well, now you've got that entire range of that longbow. And if you're doing something like Arcane Archer, you have multiple attacks until yeah. they get out of that range. Yeah, even if it's only one attack around, you can still get multiple hits in before they're gone. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good point. And, I mean, ignoring cover? My God. Like, that's yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. That's war crime territory, though. It's war crime territory. Well, they're, like, would... they're trying to run away. You can stop that and they're trapped. Just feels illegal. Yeah, yeah. They're just <laughs> full of arrows in their back. Sometimes. Get back your bird. <laughs> Sometimes you need a hostage. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Doing that with a crossbow. He's got if a gun. If running. <laughs> he doesn't have a gun. <laughs> coming right for us. <laughs> <laughs> Stop resisting. <laughs> Fling. <laughs> but the the heavy crossbow has a range of what four hundred feet, I think. I forget. It's yeah, been so I, long. I don't know about what's that, top sure. of my head. But you get a good longbow though. You're laughing, yeah. aren't you? You're absolutely laughing. This is hard to choose a favorite out of these three. Oh, I don't know. I think best ones. Do it. I think sharpshooter for me. It's it just. It checks that extra box. It makes the ranger a viable class. You know, like nobody ever plays a ranger. I don't think I've ever played a ranger with a ranger at my table. But I think that this could make it a little more palatable. With this, and then you get crossbow expert by level four. Man, you're you're laughing. You're you're going to be keeping up. Yeah. With everybody else. Where's sharpshooter PHB as well? PHB, yeah. yeah. 170. 170. I've had my fun with crossbow expert. And so, but I haven't tried sharpshooter yet, but now I'm all over it. The the one disadvantage is you don't get the, the shooting within five feet, not imposing disadvantage. Yeah. yeah, but if you're, your whole thing is you're further away anyway, that's how you want to play it, it'll probably be fine. Right. Yeah, you are clearly not going to be the first one through the door it's or the wrong. second one through the door. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I Dave, I would switch yours. I would go crossbow expert first and then sharpshooter after. Yeah, you know what? That's probably a good. Because you'll get more use out of the crossbow expert early. Yeah. Also, I think it depends on the campaign you're doing, right? Like, if you're going through dungeon to dungeon, when are you ever going to need 400 feet of range? If you're at level two and need to make a 400 yard shot, you're just your DM's a dick. (laughs) So tomorrow, (laughs) then combat is going to drag on forever. So tomorrow in D and D, we'll be doing a 400 foot combat. Yeah, I would totally do that. (laughs) Oh, you know what would be great to piss off, though? It was if you're doing, like, a big battle, right? Where there's two armies going against it, and you can just stand in the back and then just take out captains. Yeah. For silly Zaitsev stuff. I wonder how the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good one. Yeah, Good yeah. reference. What, movie was that reference? Ra- movie? what year was that movie released in? Enemy at the Gates. I'm going to go 2001. I think it was 2001. I think I was still in school, so I'm going to say... Oh, I was still in school. We're talking young Jude Law there. Yeah. Pretty Jude Law. I mean, he looks great now, but (laughs) uh, yeah, pretty Jude Law back then. 
Yeah, I tell you who else is holding up. Orlando Bloom. I just watched season one of Carnival Row again. Oh, okay. That man is forty six years old, and uh, and he's looking pretty good. Well, that was three years ago because then they just come out with season. He's forty six now. I asked yeah. asked my Alexa, uh, so he would be like forty three <laughs> at the time. That's all I ask her. Yeah. I said, Alexa, what's the temperature outside? Alexa, set a ten minute uh, clock for whatever I'm cooking. And Alexa, how old is this person on TV? Yeah. That's it, <laughs> all the time. He is an elf. If you've been inspired by the conversation in this episode, please feel free to reach out and share your creativity and ideas with us and the rest of the community. You can reach us on Facebook and Instagram or on our subreddit, r slash it's a mimic. Also, if you're feeling particularly generous, please follow and subscribe and leave us positive reviews, likes, and comments. Engagements like that help us pop up on search engines and keep this show running. Do you guys think there's any natural synergy between any of the feats we've talked about today and which ones seem to just complement each other well? Well, we just spoke about the crossbow expert, the crossbow expert <laughs> shot shooter. Yeah. But I, I think what was the, I think I, in fact, I think I covered it. The one that um, uh, allows you to pick four weapons to uh, be martial adept. Yeah. Martial adept, become proficient with those. I think that ended two weapon or, or greater weapon. Mastery okay. uh, was kind of a good combo. You get the extra weapons. You get the the two handed fighting. Like it just did. I I would I like that actually. Yeah. Well, I mean that's how you get something that you might not otherwise. You get your dual wielding bard. What about? Yeah. I would have picked dual wielder and tavern brawler. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, those gnome chairs. Yeah, the gnome chairs, and then your two pull cues or like two chair legs and stuff. Yeah, I, I like the uh, the idea of that with the uh, the defensive duelist, where you're using the the objects around you to kind of deflect. Yeah. You ever see those like uh, those movies where the the two you know opponents are facing off against each other, and they keep like grabbing the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, like like you this could get comical. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. If, if you're gonna have fun and laughs. Man, all over. There. I think it would be a great one-shot character. Yeah, that's Probably. a good idea. Yeah, something that you don't want to spend a lot of time on, but yeah. you can have some fun with for a little while. Oh, long term might not serve you too well in different types of situations, but for yeah, for a one-shot, it'd be great. What about something like Poisoner and Sharpshooter combined? Yeah, I was thinking that as well. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's that gives your your characters that may not always have something useful to do in combat, something useful to do in combat. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about our druid again. Instead of sitting back and calling in a spider or summoning spiders and sh casting shillelagh, yeah. you know, he's got that in blight. Maybe <laughs> now he's got something else, right? And doing that uh, extra bit of poison. Storm, I think, is his other one. Yeah, Ice Storm, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's really about all he's got. I think that's the player, though, unless his yeah. options... Well, yeah, you're right, because he never does the unicorn healing either. Which Occasionally, very rarely. Which Anthony, fuck that guy, by the way. <laughs> fuck you, Anthony. <laughs> uh, I mean, he, he could use the healing. I almost had him out last time. Yeah. The, the wraiths were hitting him and doing like a bunch of damage, and then I crit hit him, and uh, the, the damage comes off of their total hit points Yeah. Uh, until the end of a long rest. Took, like... 51 off his hit point maximum. Oh. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, yeah, and it's necrotic. What level is he? Uh, 11. And it's necrotic well, it's damage, too. Yeah. So, like, his his rage taking half damage does not apply. 
So he is taking full damage. Because he's walking around, oh, I essentially have 200 hit points because blah, 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 I only take half damage. Yeah, fuck you, necrotic <laughs> damage. Right? Kyle gave me that idea by using radiant damage all the time. Well, great. Yeah. I'm so glad I could be your inspiration. It's, well, you know, you learn from the weirdest places. That's yeah. right. <laughs> That's not what I was hoping you were going to say. You know, what were you I was hoping? hoping you? Oh, I, I was hoping you were going to, to fawn over my intelligence, Kyle, and my outside the box thinking. You're, <laughs> but instead, he was like, "Kyle, you surprised me today yeah, with yeah. that insight." Your va- your brain is very wrinkly, Kyle. Who t- who John. told you? Who taught you that, Kyle? I wonder. Yeah. yeah, your parents should be proud of you. Wow, should be. We know they're should not, be, but yeah. they're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so should we just end on the sobs and the t- <laughs> oh well no we still have <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, outro to do that's... so that's oh sorry I'll just get right into it okay well I mean I, isn't that supposed to be Terry no he did the DM3 part I'm going to do DM2 now we're switching it up on you Kyle see we're okay. communicating but you're not we know what this. we're doing so that's all for this part of our discussion on feats in D&D 5th edition. Make sure that you subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Next week we'll be looking at some of the playable races that were late game additions to 5th edition. Thank you for listening to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website at www.itsamimic.com, a store with some It's a Mimic merch, and a Patreon. This episode and others can also be found on Spotify, Apple Podcast, YouTube, and other podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Please check the show notes for this episode to see links, time codes, and credits, and don't forget to reach out and share your own inspirations. All right, so there is one more final weapon-specific feat that we haven't really gone over, and that's the gunner. Yes. Mm. Okay? Gunner. I agree. Gunner. Yeah, so this is another another Tasha's feat, okay? Uh, and there are no prerequisites to this. It gives you a plus one to your dexterity, of course, maximum of 20. And you become proficient in firearms. If you want to know more about this, this is in your DMG. Page 267, they give you the whole rule set for all of it right in there. You essentially get to ignore the loading properties of firearms, and being within five feet does not impose disadvantage. This is crossbow expert for for firearms, yeah. essentially, right? Like, it, it, it fills the same gap. But I, I was we talked about stacking crossbow expert with, um, with sharpshooter. I think gunner and sharpshooter as well probably have a... Yeah. You know some common some common themes there you could exploit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, specifically, I mean, you're gonna use this with your artillerist. What do you guys think? Would you allow just like a ring, a regular old ranger to uh, swap out their bow and just use a gun, like just for all intents and purposes, just a straight swap? It feels like natural evolution to me. Like it feels like a nat- well, not natural evolution, like evolution, but it feels like a natural evolution for yeah. uh, for them to uh, to become proficient in firearms. Yeah. Yeah, it just it opens up so much more in the world. Yeah, right. If if you have gun or black powder uh, as a thing at your table, oh, holy shit! Just when just 
I just feel like life gets better when there's more guns in people's hands, right? <laughs> oh, we're going to get along just fine, Terry. Yeah. Are you sure you're not American? <laughs> From the original Red, White, and Blue. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that might have been friends, actually. I don't know. Get, get us out of this, Kyle. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't have a problem with it. Like, I'll play if someone really wants to have a gun. But, I mean, it's... Uh, I We're, wouldn't opt. I wouldn't go out of my way to let people have guns. No, absolutely just, not. It just right. feels weird compared to everything else. When I, I sit down... I mean, you are right. It is a natural progression to go there. But I think I would make it hard, right, to get a gun, to use it. You're not going to find black powder everywhere. Like, we often just skip over bolts and arrows and shit, right? Because it's... Who yeah. wants to keep track of all that stuff? But I will make you keep track of your black powder and your other whatever... Oh, you went balls. swimming? It's wet now. Yeah. How does that feel? Yeah, you can get really specific with it. Uh, in in the breakdown, a little peek behind the screen here, we often get notes about things to, to cover and different ideas to consider and would you know these ideas be good here and just to cover different topics mm -hmm. and one of the things uh, that was specific in the breakdown this week was to discuss when feats would be particular to a campaign setting and this one has Eberron written all over yeah. it and yeah, I okay. know you guys almost got through an entire episode without me mentioning Eberron and I, but here we are after the credits I thought you were going to say it earlier as soon as I saw Gunnar I was like you will immediately mention Eberron <laughs> But I mean, like, right, this is, I mean, I know steampunky, it's not really steampunky, it's magic. Hey, do you watch Carnival Row? Yeah, it's, it's basically Eberron. Right? Like, it, it, science magic kind of thing. Yeah, it is assumed it's a higher, in like a higherly, higherly, Jesus, obviously not me, um, a more advanced civilization, right, than, mm. than your regular basic D&D. &D. When someone says, let's play D&D, &D, that to me, I already have the high fantasy in my mind. Uh, we're not talking about spaceships like Spelljammer or, you know, Eberron level of things. We're not talking Greek mythology like Theros. There's a particular setting that I look at, and Gunner doesn't fit into that. That's yeah. true. Okay. I but agree. Yeah. You need to have that conversation first. Mm. I Maybe Ravenloft, too? I don't know. I actually forget I said that. I don't know enough about Ravenloft. Well, it would be... Didn't you it guys would... have black powder when you guys did Strahd? No, I don't think so. Not that I recall. I thought someone flew a bunch of barrels worth of shit. That was holy water. What well, was holy was water? In I shouldn't okay. have even let them get away with that. I was just so new to DMing. I didn't really know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, the cleric can make barrels full of holy water automatically. Adam, who knew fine well that he probably couldn't just do that, <laughs> was like, sure. Uh, but uh, but uh, yeah, you just made a point that now I now can't remember what I was going to say, so it doesn't matter. But... Uh... Uh, campaign setting that you think it would work for? Ravenloft. Ravenloft. Oh, yeah. I, I was going to say it's it, it maybe doesn't absolutely fit, but it would be easier to control if you were going to do it in Ravenloft because you're trapped in that little that little world, that little demiplane, so it can't get crazy or whatever and go all over the place. You can kind of contain it a little bit. And you yeah. return okay. to, to the material plane and, oh, no, it we doesn't work gun. the same way. Uh. Oh, gee, shucks. <laughs> So just put it in for like a little bit is what you're saying? Like you want the side adventure where you can get a gun and then just go fucking buck wild and blow stuff up. Oh, you know what I'd love to see is a train robbery with guns. Sure. Right? For yeah. a little or bit it would be A good. lightning rail? You yeah. Gotta, yeah, yeah. You gotta one-shot it, I think, unless you do it in Eberron because players, you know what they're like. We've all been players. 
they don't like you taking their shit off them. Yeah. So if you're like, here's a gun for a little bit, and you'll never get it again. You guys are lucky you get diamonds in my campaign. So, yeah. like, yes, fucking <laughs> guns again. What about guns that shoot diamonds? Write that down. Yeah. <laughs> That's expensive. That's such a flex. My gun shoots diamonds. Tavern brawler. <laughs> diamond? It's a tavern brawler with a massive diamond. No, you can, okay, let's extrapolate this. A blunderbuss, right? You can shove yeah. anything down in the barrel of that thing and fire. Tavern yeah. brawler with the gunner here. I think we're onto something. I shove a table leg down your blunderbuss yeah. and fire. Yeah. Well, I'm imagining uh, just... What is it? Pistol whipping them with your blunderbuss, and then that could be your like D four. Why are we not taking that bag full of a thousand ball bearings here and doing something with this? Oh, oh buckshot! Yeah, oh. you can do that. Oh, I wonder how many how many shots do you think you get out of a thousand? All those copper coins you're never gonna use. As well? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh man! There was one time where we found like just a pile. I think it was like three thousand copper pieces, and it's like, what the fuck are we gonna do with this? <laughs> and so it's like 30 gold no no that's 3,000 copper pieces yeah. before we had a bag of holding or anything too so we're just like well I guess we can't take it well you can yeah I don't know it felt unrealistic well I mean like you're just gonna carry a bag of 3,000 coins yeah Ulfgar would ah oh, fuck Anthony Fuck you. I'm gonna put that Anthony in. Anthony would. Yeah. To you know what, my table uh, tomorrow night they're gonna be in a white dragon's lair, and they they're not particularly interested in like gold and stuff like the rest of them are. They have a whole bunch of shit. So I'm gonna change the hoard to just a whole bunch of like copper pieces and maybe even like wooden coins. That it doesn't realize <laughs> there's a bunch of useless shit for you. <laughs> so it all looks it's like a really gold. dumb dragon, and it just got duped. <laughs> <laughs> it's all made of pyrite. It's all fool's gold. Yeah. It's not even real. <laughs> So that's it. Job done. That's the end of that chapter. Thank you for coming (laughs) to this episode this week of the... What is this again? What are we doing? (laughs) We're mimicking a podcast. There we go. See you next Tuesday.